0: Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to ouravenuechurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Starting a new series today. You guys saw the intro. Kingdom culture is what we're focusing on, and this is going to be a mind shift for some of us because we we need to understand that even though here at Avenue Church um, we planted a church, but it wasn't just about us planting and building a church. When you read the New Testament and you read Jesus's ministry, um, it is it is bigger than a church. We are in in essence expanding. God's kingdom beyond our lives into the lives of those that are around us, Um, beyond our church walls into the community that is around us, into the families that are around us. It's bigger than Avenue Church, guys. Um, Can I also tell you it's bigger than World Outreach, which is the largest church in the state. It is bigger than Elevation Church, which is one of the largest churches In the country. It is even bigger than Hillsong Church, which is a global church, is probably the largest church in the world. And so when we think kingdom mindset, I want to shift our thinking over this week, kind of foundationally going into the next several weeks, that what takes place here on a Sunday morning. And what takes place in your lives Monday through Saturday in living out God's purpose and design in your life is not just about Avenue Church. It's not just about World Outreach. It is bigger um, and reaches beyond the expanse of the largest church in the world and also beyond the, it, it, the, the reach of the smallest church in the community. And can I let you know that, that on both ends of the spectrum, the kingdom is being advanced by those churches. There are things that global churches can do to advance the kingdom that smaller churches are unable to do to advance the kingdom. But then there are also things that smaller churches are able to do and people that they are able to reach that global churches will never touch. And so we have to understand what what our role is as Avenue Church in kingdom expansion. And you have to understand what your role is within God's kingdom for kingdom expansion. And when Jesus came, he wasn't just declaring a belief system. And a lot of times in churches and Sunday school and Bible studies, we can, we can do a lot of teaching and talking about um, behavior modification at times or a belief system, a value system. But it expands beyond that. And we've all watched movies about kingdoms, right? Like some of my favorite movies about kingdom is like Gladiator. Come on, somebody, right? What you do in this life will what? Echo in eternity. And then like Braveheart, the last thing he says is he's being chopped in half. Freedom, right? Was that Mel Gibson-esque? No, close enough. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, But even like when you're watching... Movies like Star Wars for all of our techies and sci-fi, like that's even a story about kingdoms, right? About expanding the kingdom of light or expanding a kingdom of darkness, the dark side. And so when we look at our faith, sometimes we forget that it's about a kingdom. And the disciple Matthew is constantly, like when you read the gospel of Matthew, he's coming from a monarchical, a kingdom mindset. He talks about lineages in the beginning of how Jesus came in the lineage of David, who was a king. And we see Matthew reciting Jesus's teachings in the form of parables. And he's constantly saying the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and even when we, when we look at the, at, at the beginning before Jesus begins, his his actual ministry, he spends 40 days praying and fasting. And he is um, tested by Satan to essentially turn over his kingship, to turn over his authority. And after he finishes those 40 days of, of testing, he begins to enter into his ministry. And what we see Matthew saying that Jesus says in, in Matthew four seventeen, when Jesus began his ministry, he says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so the repentance was not just about you and I, in part, yes, but not just about you and I um, dealing with the sin in our life and getting things right in relationship with the Father, but it was also about Jesus leaving heaven and bringing the authority and the power Back to earth from heaven, expanding the kingdom of heaven beyond this unseen realm, this unseen spiritual realm that we spent some time talking about. He's now expanding it here on earth. And so Matthew 5 begins the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus' first documented like, like teaching. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, it was very countercultural to what people had grown up hearing. They'd grown up hearing the law, and yes, there was the Ten Commandments, and then the crazy thing, and and as humans do, we tend to complicate things. Jesus gave us Ten Commandments. Well, in order to follow those Ten Commandments, guess what? The religious people created all these other laws to follow to ensure that they follow the Ten Commandments. It got really, really confusing. And Jesus makes this statement over and over and over in in this teaching, Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard it what? Said, but I say unto you. And so he was taking what they had heard, what they'd been taught, and taking it to another level. And and even in, in Matthew chapter six, he says this, that when he's teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, you should pray like this. And he gives them a pattern of prayer. And he said, we should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And again, he says this, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's, he's teaching the disciples that, that as you're praying, one of the things that we need to be praying is that, that God's will that is in heaven, we want to bring that down to earth. And Jonathan said this, this earlier, is like a lot of religions is all about us reaching up to those gods, attaining like, like their prominence, their status, whereas our faith is all about bringing heaven to earth. Because that's what happened. Jesus left his throne of authority to expand his kingdom into our lives. And so what we are to be about as a church is to have this kingdom culture mentality that we are not just building a church, we are expanding a kingdom. And so when we pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, we are asking for God's authority, God's reign, God's rule, God's value system, his kingdom to be around us. And so he makes this statement in Matthew 6, 31 in, in, in a teaching about really about finances and about material things. And because people like they do today were worrying about what they were going to eat, what they were going to wear, how they were going to provide. And, and Jesus gives them this instruction says, don't worry about these things. And he says, the pagans run after these things, but for you, it should be different. And then he says in verses 31 through 33, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, what does it say? But what? Seek when? First, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given unto you. And let's just like be honest. A lot of times, like, we're not really seeking his kingdom and his culture and his mentality first. And and it can be real even like, like as a church planner to get quickly caught up in our branding, our way of doing things, in our sound, in our people, and forget that it's not about Avenue Church, it's about God's kingdom. And so everything that we do here on a Sunday morning, everything that we do in small groups, in preparation for what we do during the week that you do, the encouragement that you receive here on a Sunday morning from worship, the wisdom that you receive from God's word, on a Sunday morning, the community that you receive on a Tuesday, Monday, or Wednesday, I know those days are all out of order, but Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday from one of our small groups, is not just about you, it's so that you can be encouraged, so that you can be refreshed, so that you can be equipped to go back into your world and to expand God's kingdom. But we have a hard time really um, having a kingdom culture mindset in this seek- First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and, and really when you look up this word righteousness is also kind of a governmental term because righteousness just means in right standing. And so when we seek God's kingdom and we seek his righteousness, we are seeking to be in right standing before him as our king. Not in right standing in front of those that are around us because sometimes we compromise who we are in God's value system in order to remain in right standing. With people that we're trying to impress. And so what we're doing is is we're pursuing their righteousness and what we're trying to say is I want to be in right standing and in your good graces so I may compromise myself and my kingdom's values when what we're to do is to pursue being righteous before God. And if we can keep that at the forefront and focus on that, Scripture promises time and time again, if, if we maintain righteousness before God, he'll take care of our righteousness before man. And scripture even says that, that he will silence those who think we're ignorant because we're standing righteous before our God. And it is, it is really hard for us to understand this mindset of um, kingship and a kingdom culture. And we have to adjust our theology and our are orthodoxy just a little bit and those you know are kind of some religious terms that that mean right something like I don't have a theology degree my degree is in elementary education so we can get some crayons after service right but here's where I get my theology because what theology is is it's the study of god's nature it's the study of who he is and the study of the beliefs that we have Based off what we know of his nature and the practices and the religious beliefs. And then, so that is what theology is. So, so you can become a theologian to a degree by studying God's nature in his word. By seeing how Jesus lived and walked and operated, we learn God's nature and God's character. Jesus said, When you have seen me, who have you seen? The Father. I don't do anything except what the Father tells me to do. I don't say anything except what the Father tells me to say. We can know God's nature and character by studying his word. And then then we have this word orthodoxy, and that's basically just putting into practice our beliefs. It's the integration of beliefs in our life. And so to have this, this kingdom ideology, we have to shift a little bit of what we think about our faith. And what we think about our beliefs and what we think about church, because um, we're building a church, we're, we're doing our best to build Avenue Church through systems, through community, through outreach, through generosity, through these different, different areas. But like I've said, it, it reaches beyond that and we forget that it's a kingdom God is trying to build and he's, he's, he's trying to establish it through the local church. And for the last couple of months, we've been getting together with, with a couple of other pastors, not couple, like we started with four and now we're up to like seven or eight. And it's been a part of, of, of my heart since moving here is to build a community of, of pastors, not just a church, because we're all working for the same company, just different departments, right? Whether you're a church of Christ, whether you're a Baptist, whether you're a Pentecostal, whether you're not, we're all working for the same company. We're all a part of the same kingdom. We're just being responsible for the part of the field that God has placed us in. But we have to understand that we are in a different kingdom. Yes, we live in America, and I'm grateful for the freedoms and the citizenships that we all have from being fortunate enough to be born in America, or maybe to have moved to America and gained citizenships, and and I am thankful for all of those. But can I let you know that, that I have rights that are greater than that? And the scary thing is those rights and responsibilities, like they supersede that, and I must give up my American rights and and, and privileges to pursue my ultimate kingdom's rights and responsibilities. Paul, a couple of times, says um, that we should not get caught up in citizens' affairs. And that we are foreigners here. Temporarily, we're foreigners. Temporarily, that means we're just on this earth for a brief amount of time. And we're not even meant to be here. We are, but our ultimate home is of a kingdom that is much greater than the kingdom of America. And so we are not to get caught up in citizens' affairs. And and, and we are actually at times to give up those rights because that is, and I know this may step on some toes because, look, I, I wanna stand up for our rights. I wanna stand up for our freedoms. But sometimes in order to expand God's kingdom, we have to give up our earthly rights that we have in order to expand his kingdom because that puts us, and I'll talk about this in a couple of months when looking at the life of Daniel. Sometimes that puts us in places that if we were trying to hold on to our rights, it wouldn't put us in those places. But we have to understand how a kingdom works. And so I don't have a lot of action points and things for you to take home this week and to put into practice. But what I want to help you do is to shift your thinking a bit beyond um, even maybe a little bit beyond your daily disciplines of faith. Um, shift your thinking beyond the walls of our church, beyond the establishment of the church, big C, into how God has, has set up his kingdom. Because we've grown up in a democratic world, a democratic society, and it's, it's hard for us to reconcile living in a time and an age and a, and, and a nation which we get to elect our governing officials. That's not how a kingdom or a monarchy works. And so in order for us to reconcile, to be able to understand that, that we are a part of a kingdom that is, that is within a democracy, but also separate from a democracy. Are you guys tracking with me? It's gonna get a little complicated, a little deep, but I wanna talk this through slowly because it's a mind shift we need to come back to on occasion. And remember that the things that we're doing is about a kingdom. We live in a democratic society where we don't like the way essentially that our leaders are leading us. Guess what we get to do in four years? Vote them out. And this is a conflict in how the kingdom operates. So give you some, just, just some points to pursue a kingdom first, um, a kingdom culture mindset. We have to understand the kingdom first is this. A kingdom is a domain or territory ruled by monarchical government. I probably didn't say that right, but A kingdom is a domain or a territory that is ruled by monarchical government. That means it's ruled by a king or a queen. In Luke 17, verses 20 through 21, it says, On on one day, and this is Jesus having a conversation, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over here, for the kingdom of God is already among you. When we think about kingdoms and nationalities and countries, we think physical space. God's kingdom is not just confined to a physical space. It is beyond the, the, the realm of time and space. And Jesus is trying to help the people around him understand that. At one point, the disciples were even saying, Lord, when you come into your kingdom and you take your place of authority, let me sit on the right and the left. This is James and John. Like their mom got in the mix, talking to the boss. Like, hey, like when, 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 when you reach your pinnacle, let my son sit on either side. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, you don't understand what you're asking. And I've always thought from the standpoint is like, yeah, because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. But then I got to thinking about this. In order for Jesus to reach his throne of authority, how did he get there? He had to give his life. He had to give his life. Because his kingdom is not just about this life. It's about eternal. And so when he tells the disciples, you don't understand what you're asking, really what he's saying is, look, if you wanna sit where I sit, you have to do what I do. You have to give your life, and it's not something they would want to do willingly, knowing that. And so we have to understand that, that God's kingdom is not about boundaries. The concept of God's kingdom is not necessarily confined to a singular space, a territory, a region, a political nation, but it's this, and it's not on the screen, but I want you to put this in your note. Wherever God's presence and God's people are, there is kingdom can be. Wherever God's people, where God's people are there, guess what they bring with them? God's presence. And when God's people and God's presence is, that's where God's kingdom is. Very, very simply, you can look at it this way. The kingdom of heaven, because Jesus mentions, what is, what is the kingdom of heaven? It's, it's God's people in God's place under God's authority doing things God's way. The kingdom of heaven is God's people in God's place, wherever that is. For us, for me and my family right now, God's place is for us right here in Murfreesboro. For you, where you're at, God's places, where he has you positioned at work. That's God's place for you. You're his people there. And as you follow his authority and do things his way, guess what you have the opportunity to do? Expand his kingdom. We have to understand this. Kings are not elected. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around because every few years we're going to elect somebody else. Kings don't get elected. Kings are born into the throne. It's by birthright or by gaining victory over another kingdom and obtaining their throne or by another king surrendering their throne. Our king has been on the throne from day one. No one has taken him off. No one can take him off. Now, the crazy thing, there's there's, there, there's something very unique that happens in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, you know, God was their king. He he um, rescued them out of Egypt. But they came to a point in First Samuel, they'd been led by judges, led by prophets, while all the nations around them were led by what? Kings. They didn't realize that they had a king. And so, 1 Samuel 8, 6-8 says this. Samuel was, dis- was displeased with their request. Talking about the people of Israel had requested for a king they could see, they could touch, they could feel. And so he went to the Lord for guidance. And the Lord says to Samuel, do everything they say to you for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they are giving you the same treatment. Now, this is, this is crazy, but this is also um, a, an insight into God's character. He will allow us to set up other kings in our life. He will allow us to follow other gods, and you know why? Because he knows that that's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of confidence, Because he knows if I let you follow this other king or this other God long enough, you're gonna realize what you're missing out on. You're gonna realize how good you had it in my kingdom under my rule, under my authority, under my protection. But he allows us to follow these other kings. And how many times? And and sometimes, guess who that king is? This guy. And I try to set up my kingdom my way. God allows us to do that. But a king is not elected. A king is born onto the throne. A king receives his authority by, by defeating another king or surrendering. And so it's hard to think that, that God would surrender his place in our life so that we can set up our own kingdom. So a king is not elected. We have to understand that a king owns everything. A king owns everything. Elected officials don't own anything, they don't own the land that they govern. Trump didn't own America. He led America, right? Biden doesn't own America. He leads America. Our governors, our mayors, they don't own the land. They don't own us. They don't own the resources. They simply govern it, okay? A king owns the land. A king, in essence, owns the people. He can tell them what to do or guess what he does, somebody on the front row knows what I'm talking about, right? A king has the ability and the authority to do with what he has however he wants. That's foreign to us in a democracy. But we, what we also have to understand is that not only, so, so Psalms 24, one, let me share this scripture. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything is God's. So even in a kingdom, and I'm setting a foundation for the next several weeks. Even in a kingdom, the king owns it all, but he puts specific people in charge of parts of the kingdom. He's put Avenue Church in charge the part of the kingdom that he's given us to take care of, to cultivate, to expand his kingdom. The king owns everything, and then we have to understand that a king protects and provides for his people. When another kingdom invades and attacks, it's the responsibility of the reigning king to protect his people. Our king not only is protecting us, our king, our heavenly father is not only protecting us, he's ultimately won overwhelming victory. Paul says this in Colossians. He says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly for his victory over them on the cross. See, we sing about this today. we sing singing today like the Lord is in the fight it will end how it started, with him in control. God is for us, he's fought for us, he's fighting for us, he's protecting us. And even when it feels like our king is not there. He has given us tools. He's given us abilities. He's given us people to protect, defend, and advance ourselves in his word, in worship, in prayer, in community. So we, we, we don't have to worry about that because we are in God's kingdom, and he will protect and guard us. We forget that. We don't have to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do, because our king literally owns it all. And we have to come back to a place where we're worrying how are the bills going to get paid? How are we going to have the money to start a church? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I serve a king that has it all. And I trust my king to protect me. I trust my king to provide for me because as he does those things, not only is it good for me, but it helps expand his territory and his kingdom. But we lose sight. We forget that. We worry about things. Jesus says, why worry about these things? Um, and the last thing is this. A king enlists his people to expand the kingdom. So a king's not elected. A king owns everything. A king provides and protects his people. But then he will enlist his people to expand his kingdom. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says this. For It's talking about God for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so those of us that are that are here this morning and, you know, we're, we're walking with Jesus. We have a relationship. We have we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, from our personal sinful kingdom. Not through any work that we have done, but through Jesus' work on the cross. He has invaded our kingdom, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, and has brought us over, transferred us into his kingdom. And so when we say yes to allowing Jesus to be our savior, it's real easy to want to say yes to be our, like to be our savior, to throw our hand up and say, God, save me from my mess. But where the rubber meets the road is when we say yes to Jesus being our king. Because when we say yes to Jesus being our king, then we say yes to his value system. We say yes to his priorities. We say yes to entrusting that he alone is our guardian, our protector, our provider. And even this, when we say yes to him as savior and yes to him as king, we are saying yes to being enlisted into expanding his kingdom. And I don't ever want us to get caught up here at Avenue Church, and and me as well, just to get caught up in in being comfortable with where we're at, what God has given us. Want to enjoy it, but I want us to keep in mind that he's given us authority to expand his kingdom um, through his system. And, And when we say yes to his kingdom, it's a system of surrender to him. It's yes to reliance on him. The values of serving others, of sacrificing for others. It's, it's the values of generosity of our time. It's the, the value of generosity of our finances, of our giftings to expand his kingdom. And so as I'm putting this message together, and, and I want us to always have a kingdom mindset that it's not about Avenue Church, that we are extending the boundaries of his authority and his, his influence. Um, seek first his kingdom. I want us to do an introspection in in our life. Whose kingdom are we building? Whose kingdom are we building? And when we moved here to start Avenue Church, and I put a lot of pressure on on myself and my family and the way things were going because I felt like I had something to prove. I felt like I had something to prove to previous pastors. I felt like I had something to prove to those that were joining the team. I felt like I had something to prove to pastors that maybe followed me on Instagram that I didn't even know, right? Guess whose kingdom I was building? Mine. And we all find ourselves guilty of that from time to time because what happens? God will surrender his place of authority in our life because When that happens and we put ourselves or someone else or something else on the throne of authority in our lives, things go real bad real quick. And we are brought out from under his covering of protection, his covering of provision, and we're left to our own strength and our own resources. And I'm not a king. I don't own everything. But when I bring myself back up under his kingdom and his authority and his rule, then all the resources are mine because they're his. A king enlists his people and their resources to expand his kingdom. And so here's what we're gonna do over the next three weeks. So we're gonna look at, at, at how we are investing our time. We're gonna look at, at how we are investing our talents. God, did you know God has gifted you? God has put desires on the inside of you that's not just so you can find joy in doing that, but it's so that you can take that and expand his kingdom in the world that is around you. God has gifted you with, with financial elements, not just so that you can hoard it and buy things for your family, but so that you can expand. Listen, as, as a church, we want to be generous in all those areas as a church locally, like globally, corporately as as Avenue Church, but I want us and you individually to come to a place where you can be generous with your time, be generous with your finances, be generous with your gifting, because it's not just about you, guys. We are pushing back darkness in this community, and we are in a season to where the church has to be very intentional, and we have to be very brave and courageous and wise in what we're doing because there are other kingdoms around. There is a kingdom of darkness that is quickly closing in on the church. That is quickly trying to press back the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven and God's kingdom. They just haven't realized and sometimes we forget that we've already won that the victory is already ours, that we have every resource we need, we have um, every relationship that we need. And it can be easy to get caught up in the flow of life and look at all that God has done in our life and and enjoy all the blessings and enjoy all the things that we do. But in in reality, um, are we using these things to expand God's kingdom or ours? something i say i say a lot and i didn't believe it at first when i started this i I wanted to believe it but we get caught up building our own castles and making it real comfortable in our castles right we get our our bonuses we do things and buy things to make our lives comfortable we have extra time we do things to make our lives comfortable and, and Sometimes we get caught staying in our castles. And, and as churches, sometimes we can build great castles and forget that we're a part of a kingdom. And so something I say a lot is, is it will for us in Avenue Church, for me now, I fully believe it and I fully desire to, to just to live a life that is kingdom over castle. That it's kingdom over castle all the time. And so if I have a choice, for us as Avenue Church to do something that's that's going to benefit us, but it's not really going to impact the kingdom, I don't want to do that. But if it benefits us and impacts the kingdom, we're going to go all in on that. And I want you as a member of Avenue Church to have a mindset, Is this is this going to build my castle or is this going to build God's kingdom because it's the kingdom is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. And it's super easy to lose sight of that. The crazy thing when you look at when a kingdom invades another kingdom, a king is doing it for selfish reasons. when you look at, Jonathan said this earlier, when you look at, at, at the kingdom we're a part of, the kingdom of heaven. King Jesus invaded our territory for selfish reasons. But it was because he knew that he was a very best thing for us. That he saw you and I in our territory and high up in our castle, in our world, in our life, caught up in it. And at one point, he says that he saw the crowds and they were like lost sheep, confused about a shepherd. He saw us lost in our territory. He saw us broken in our territory. He saw us hurting in our territory. And he has invaded our territory to to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of death, out of the kingdom of despair, it says David says that, that he pulled me out of the pit the miry pit, and he set my feet on solid ground. And so some of you, 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 you're stuck in your kingdom and you may not even realize it, or you're stuck in your kingdom and you may be okay there. The enemy is holding you hostage there. It says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly than you could ever dream of. When you come out of your own kingdom, your own castle, and enter into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, enter into that, there is ultimate freedom Freedom in that surrender. There is ultimate peace in that surrender. And so as we move forward, thinking about a kingdom culture, a kingdom mindset, God created this kingdom for you. So I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads just for a moment. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I want us to sing that last song kind of at the end of, end of service here. Because it is only one way, one truth, one life. We chose the name Avenue Church because Avenue means a way of entering a place or it's a solution to a problem. And that's what Jesus has done as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that he has made a way into your kingdom, into your territory, and has brought you out. And if that's you, you're here today and you say, Stephen, I need a relationship with Jesus and I'm stuck in this kingdom of darkness in this castle that I've created and people think that I'm happy people think that I'm okay but I'm really not I want to open my eyes and my heart and my mind to a greater kingdom if that's you today would you just very quickly just lift your hand Celebrate that every every Sunday, and I, I know that maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something on the inside is stirring, your heart speaking. What that is is the Holy Spirit pulling you out of the kingdom that you feel trapped in. And so, in, a, in, in the next thing I want us to do, I want us to pray. And if you raise your hand, it's not my words that save you, but it's but it's yours. You get to speak to your King. You get to speak to the king of kings, the one who who created everything that we see, put you together piece by piece in your mother's womb. You get to have a conversation with him right where you're seated. Simply by saying, Jesus, I am sorry. Forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've messed up. I believe that you died for me, that that you invaded earth for me, that you gave your life for me, that, that you were buried for me. Forgive me of my sins now i make you my king i make you my lord and for the rest of us like for us as a church i want us to have a kingdom culture a kingdom first mentality that we will do everything that we can to push out the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven that god has called us to so father i just thank you thank you for your word this morning for your presence i thank you for your people God, I thank you for the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, revealing who we are, strengthening us from the inside out. And God, those that raise their hand, offering for you to, to transfer them from their personal kingdom into a heavenly kingdom under your reign, under your authority, under your protection and provision. God, we celebrate that. God, that any guilt or shame or, or insignificance that they may feel because of their past, we, we surrender that and cover that under the blood of your son, Jesus, and that they would walk out of here today knowing that they are a new creation, that all the old is gone and all things are made new. Father, for us as, as a church, God, help us God, just to remember to change our theology and and our ideology that it's not just about Avenue Church and it's really beyond just the concept of church in general that that you came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And God, that we would participate in that. Forgive us when we get caught up just building our own kingdoms and, and our own castles and filling our schedules with things that leave you out and leave your priorities and your values out. God, forgive us where we fail to recognize what you've called us to. And not not, not that we have to do any, things, any of these things to receive your approval. I don't want that. I don't want people to walk away feeling that, knowing that. But God, you've you've enlisted us. You've called us out to send us out, to expand your kingdom. So Father, we just thank you. Says, Amen, Amen. Listen, listen. If you prayed that prayer and lifted your hand, we're gonna have um, Dale's gonna be at the Fresh Start table at the back, and we'll have some prayer team members at the front. And I just really felt as they were singing um, the way the truth in the life that at the end of worship, I, I feel that as an anthem for us that that we hold on to that as a church, but also in your life because we can believe other kings and other voices to tell us that this isn't the right way that nobody will accept us or will seem insignificant but there's no other way there is no other king there is no other truth and so let's stand and and we're going to sing through the way the truth and the life just kind of is to, to end and then we'll dismiss you guys so father we thank you uh god that you were here our prayers so we lift up our voices one last time this morning lift up our hearts one last time. Just let your presence be forever felt in this moment.